It's the Full Court Press with Eric Franson and Jason Walker. Welcome back to the, uh, you know, to the to the show that we're doing right now. Following the local teams, breaking down the biggest games with in-depth analysis and team interviews. There's going to be much higher expectations, sense of awareness of what uh, we bring to the table. Join the show by calling into 435-752-1069 or text 435-339-0321. It's the Full Court Press. Gross, answer. Yes! Touchdown! Did I get it? Hello and welcome on in to a Monday edition of the Full Court Press. Eric Franson, Jason Walker. Talking about the uh, busy weekend. We had basketball on Friday, football on Saturday, bleeding over into Sunday. And we got basketball tonight. Utah State uh, with a the big matchup tonight. Santa Clara in town. So uh, we'll try to preview that best that we can, but... Uh, busy weekend, and we'll try to recap it and figure out what's uh, what happened and what's going on from here. Uh, a couple of accolades handed out and some honors uh, handed out earlier today. Ike Larson, uh, recognized as the Mountain West Freshman of the Week and Defensive Player of the Week for his efforts in Utah State's win over Hawaii. And had it not been for Ike Larson's play, I don't know that Utah State comes out of there with a victory uh, for those of you who had a hard time finding a way to watch it or just couldn't stay up late enough to uh, see its conclusion, Utah State built uh, built the lead there but went conservative and opened the door for Hawaii to come back into it. But uh, the Aggies come out victorious in the end. Yeah, it was a little frustrating a couple of times, Utah State going conservative, you know, at the end of the first half. And, and uh, I asked Blake about it after the game in the press conference, and he basically you know, explained his conservative mindset. He basically admitted they were they were going conservative. Their their basically top priority at the end of that first half was don't give the ball back to Hawaii, which is interesting because I was like, okay, you're playing well in the first half, go for it. You're probably not going to give the ball back to Hawaii. But so instead of maybe going up, probably twenty seven ten. Um, granted, he did say the wind was against him, so that does make getting a field goal a little harder. But with a couple of timeouts. 57 seconds left. There's enough time to get into shorter field goal range, get a field goal. But yeah, he, he made it sound like, based on the outcome of one play, they decided to just fold up their tent. Yeah, and the thing is, their first play they ran, like they said, you know, when the first play went bust, it went for negative two yards. They decided to go away from that, which I would have understood if they'd, you know, actually gone for a big play. They went for a cheap little you know, shovel pass play, which granted those who've worked for them, but maybe be a little more aggressive. That's when you're trying to catch a defense off guard and certainly didn't catch Hawaii off guard there. They were maybe getting ready for Utah State to go conservative. So try something big. You caught them off guard. You caught them in bad coverages a couple of times in that game to that point. Go for it. But they threw a pass behind the line of scrimmage. They ran a run play. They let the clock run out. And so that's the the part that I was, you know, more upset about in terms of being conservative. Toward the end of the game, you know, the last couple of drives, okay, you're supposed to be running the ball. You know, when Cooper Legat took the sack, I wasn't as upset in terms of him not throwing the ball away because if you throw the ball away, the clock stops. Right. And there's, there's certainly, if I, I know he ended up losing like 11 yards on the play, which you begin to weigh the pros and cons of 
stopping the clock versus losing 11 yards and forcing them to use a timeout. But when you when you say that, you know, like, go conservative in the last couple of minutes, you're supposed to. Uh, and at that point, it's just execution. You, is the team good enough to run the ball when the other team knows you're going to run it? And Utah State has generally proved that they can't do that. They can't run the ball when the other team knows they're going to run it. Yeah, and I don't know that I buy this being mutually exclusive where you can be conservative but um, still not trying to get first downs and, and use up clock. It's, it's almost like there's a mentality that we're going to go conservative. We just want to force them to use their timeouts and, uh, and burn up clock. So we're just going to hand the ball off, middle of the field, take some time off the clock, and that's just it. And I don't know that that is necessarily the only way to, to do that. I mean, getting another first down, another set of downs, that takes more time off the clock than just your initial couple. So I don't know that those are mutually exclusive, and sometimes the way we hear coaches speak, they feel like they are. It, it depends. If you're good enough, maybe if you have the right creativity, because the thing is that if a passing play goes wrong – you were either taking a sack or it's an incomplete pass. Those are your best two options if it goes wrong. Or you get spectacularly lucky and you complete it anyway. And throwing incomplete passes can be enormous in terms of helping the other team. Because if they still have a timeout on their final drive, that can be the difference in a game, literally. We've seen games come down to the fact the team just didn't have one more timeout to stop the clock because they got a big play. And so you're prioritizing, okay, we can throw the ball and have a decent chance that we'll complete an eight-yard pass and set up second and two, but there's, you know, there's a risk that we'll throw an incomplete pass, save them a timeout, and then at second and ten. Or you can say, well, we're pretty sure we can get three yards a couple of times. If we're lucky, we'll break an eight-yard run. You know, so there's a real balance to this. Running the risk of a pass play you know, you can try and run an easier pass play, but those easier pass plays are basically runs anyway. Right. So you got to try and balance things and understanding the risks, what it means to not force the other team to burn a timeout or the reward of we get a first down. Like you said, one first down, that's three free downs at least. And so there's a huge reward, but there's also a very real risk there. Yeah, I, I don't want to... Open the show like guns ablaze and being <laughs> negative on a few things here. I mean, there were a few things that were they did win the game. Yeah, I mean they did win. I mean they got some conference awards because of it. Uh, but you know there were a few times that just the end of the first half and then big chunk of the fourth quarter where it was just real conservative. Let's just play safe. Let's just chew up clock. Let's just get out of here. But the door was was left open for Hawaii to be aggressive and try to make, make something of it and try to come back into the game. They put 17 points on the board in the fourth quarter. And it's almost as if Utah State was like, yeah, we have a lead, but you probably can't catch us. But gosh, they almost did. Yeah, and I think maybe some of that was the defense getting tired because you look at the first half, the way Utah State's defense was playing. You know, they were forcing turnovers, or the special teams was, you know, recovering a muff punt, or they're getting interceptions. Or there are a couple times they forced back-to-back three and outs. Defense did just about everything to let Utah State have like a 40-point first half. And they had 24. You know, there were three times the Utah State had turnovers, or, you know, forced turnovers, and got the ball at least on the Hawaii 40. 
One was on the Hawaii 70, one was on like the 27, and one was on the 40. So three times, sometimes deep in Hawaii territory. Wait, did you just say the Hawaii 70? Oh, the 7, the 7-yard seven line. <laughs> okay. The Hawaii 70, if you call it the Hawaii 70, that'd be like the Utah State 30. But. <laughs> okay. Okay, so the 7-yard the line, so you're inside the 10-yard line. Then another time you're inside the 30-yard line, another time you're on the 40. Of those three drives the Utah State had, they got six points. Like, they they attempted three field goals. One of them got blocked. Right. So it's like, that's what the defense is handing you on a silver platter. And you can get six points. Like, we. Yeah, four takeaways. Yeah. I mean, thank goodness the defense had all the takeaways that they had. Yeah, the defense had to do it themselves on one time where they they just scored the points. Otherwise, Utah State would have had six points. On four turnovers, who knows what they would have done with the fourth turnover if the offense had taken over, but yeah. But it was still a, a, a pretty solid offensive outing. I mean, Cooper Lega, arguably his best game of his career. Um, you know, three touchdowns thrown, uh, 238 yards, no turnovers. Yeah, he took a couple of sacks that he shouldn't have, held onto the ball, didn't see where pressure was coming. Calvin Tyler Jr. again runs for over 100 yards. He finds the end zone, running the ball and 50 yards receiving. So, I mean, there were some, there were some good things on the offense. It was just one of those mixed bag kind of games. Like, yeah, they scored 41. They had four takeaways. They did some really nice things, but they also allowed the opponent to score 17 points in the fourth quarter. And it were not for one of those turnovers that was returned for a touchdown. The offense really didn't do anything in that fourth quarter. Yeah, or even even the second half, because you mentioned Cooper Lagaz, 238 passing yards, 212 of those were in the first half. And all three of his touchdowns. And I think Calvin Tyler, I can't remember what his splits were first half to second half. Um, but I imagine he had a lot more yards in the first half. I'm, I'm just going to guess that. <laughs> I could be very well wrong on that. I should probably look that up. But just generally speaking, the offense did so much better in that first half, which is why it was more weird that at the end of the first half, when the offense was absolutely rolling, that's when they gave up and then just went super conservative. And then in the second half, they had one good drive. They went like 75 yards. That was the offense's only touchdown of the second half. And then the defense um, obviously has a touchdown, and then the offense had like one more field goal. Uh, quick timeout before we continue this on. Just got a note that uh, emergency crews are on the scene of a substantial ruptured gas line, 1400 North, 800 East. So traffic's being diverted away from that area while utility crews make repairs and, and try to fix it. So if you're in that area or plan on traveling in that area, be advised. Uh, it looks like a pretty substantial ruptured gas line, 1400 north, 800 east in Logan. So uh, we've just gotten word of that. Uh, not sure how long it's going to take to get it cleared up, but plan on uh, delays or uh, detours in that area. So just uh, uh, be advised there's a, that area. There's a bus route goes around that area. That's up by that... Uh that Maverick? Is it the intersection or is it? Uh, it just gives me the intersection. 1400 North, 800 East. So, it's, yeah. a few, it's a few blocks away from the stadium. Yeah, it's close to the university. Um, uh, speaking of the university you know, and the football team, we found out today 
They arrived in Logan at 2 p.m. Sunday afternoon. So they're usually Sundays are the days that they're reviewing film and figuring out what their game plan is going to be for the upcoming week. And then they start implementing it early in the week. So they're they're kind of behind the eight ball a little bit, preparing for San Jose. But the uh, Spartans, kind of surprisingly, in how their game played out uh, against San Diego State uh, over the weekend, that was a team, you know, San Diego State normally doesn't throw the ball much. And they threw the ball around quite a bit. And, uh, and put up more points than we're used to seeing them. They scored 43 points on San Jose uh, Saturday night. They win 43 to 27, and uh, their their quarterback throws for 268 yards. So a little bit of a surprise there for San Diego State. But when we talked to Coach Anderson today, he said it's, it's by and large because San Jose makes it tough to run the ball, and so you're kind of forced to pass. Um, but uh, still, pretty impressive offensive output from San Diego State against San Jose, which has been a pretty stout defensive team. Yeah, it is interesting that, that San Diego State would do that well in one game, so maybe there's some that just was just wrong for one day um, for San Jose State. Hopefully there's a weakness that Blake Anderson's finding on film that they can exploit. Because this is another game where Utah State's probably going to have to score a lot of points to win. I don't, you know, the way that Utah State did against Hawaii's passing game, San Jose State passes pretty well. They're at like 270, 280 passing yards a game. So <laughs> I don't think Utah State's going to stop that. They're going to need turnovers from the defense again, and they're going to need points from the offense. Yeah, Chevin Cordero, he's a gunslinger. Uh, he was at Hawaii before transferring to San Jose, uh, and he's, uh, he's a solid quarterback. A couple texts coming through. Love to hear from you as well on this topic or others. 435-339-0321. First one, this actually came in earlier this morning. 5451. Can the Utes get into the playoffs if they beat the Ducks? Um, I forget where the Utes were. Were they like 12 or 13 in the last? Uh, Let's see. I'm going to pull up the latest AP and coaches rankings. Utah is 10 in the AP and coaches. Uh, last week in the college football playoff poll, uh, let's see, where were they? I don't have that offhand. So I'm gonna I'm gonna pull it up real quick. They they were thirteenth. So I think it's a it's a long shot. I mean they have two losses, so no. I yeah, don't think they make the playoff. Yeah, there, there's never it doesn't matter what happens. They got two losses. Too many good teams ahead of them with fewer or no losses. Yeah, pretty much everyone in front of them would have to lose one or two games. Several of them would have to lose two games. Because, yeah, there's never been a two-loss team in the college football playoff that I'm aware of. Um, I saw somebody earlier said there's never been one. (laughs) That sounded about right. I haven't done that research myself. But, I mean, a two-loss Utah team getting in over a two-loss Alabama or a two-loss LSU, no. Yeah. Like Alabama at two losses has been effectively eliminated, much less Utah. Right. Whose best game is, yeah, eight and one Oregon, but that's a lot. I just, yeah. Oregon's at number six. If Utah beat Georgia, if they played it, if they played Georgia next week for some reason and beat them like 60 to nothing, they'd probably still not get in. Now, Oregon took a dive after losing to Washington. 
Um, they fell six spots in the AP, seven in the coaches. But there's just too much ground between Utah and the other teams that are currently in that playoff position. I I just don't see it. Yeah, Utah, really, this would have been their year, you know. Some of the teams that were ahead of them earlier in the year in the, in the playoff rankings lost. But Utah lost as well. Uh, while we're talking polls, Boise State getting five points in the AP Top 25 poll. Air Force uh, getting f- and Boise State both getting five in the uh, coaches poll. So uh, getting some recognition uh, in those polls. But uh, how about UConn? I mean, holy cow. They just went and beat Liberty, who was a ranked team. Yeah, and this I'll, UConn team is like bowl eligible. They are bowl eligible. I was saying they're going to get bowl eligible off beating Army or projecting they had certainly a decent chance to do so. And then they went out and became bowl eligible a week early. And so, yeah, UConn is a lot better than we were expecting. Um, granted, if Utah State had met expectations this year, they probably would have beaten them a little better than the 34 20 still. Even with UConn being six and five now, I believe. But yeah, it goes to show that UConn was was indeed a little better than we were expecting. It's just Utah State was also a little worse than we were expecting, <laughs> so it ended up being a, a decently close game. Six five four three. I am dismayed at the number of average to poor teams in this conference this year. What needs to be done for this to change? If a team becomes bowl eligible with most of their wins against bad teams, why should fans be excited about that? It's more football, really. <laughs> that's that's what it is. You get more football, it continues a streak. I mean, when Blake Anderson keeps talking about it, he's it seems like he wants that experience for his players, especially his seniors. Um, and obviously, he he in his press conference today, he mentioned keep that streak going. You know, it's a thing that programs love to be able to say to recruits: we've been to a bowl game X number of years in a row. Or for Utah State, it's like. I forget what the exact number. I don't know, like nine times in ten years. Whatever. I don't have the exact number on top of my head, but something like that, where you can say to recruits, "We've been to this many bowl games." Ignore the fact that you you lost half of those bowl games, or maybe you didn't deserve to be in a bowl game that year. You were in a bowl game, and you can say it. Well, and really, it it, it serves as a as a reward to your upperclassmen, um, and it also serves as extra practices and extra development for your underclassmen. So going to bowl game is a huge benefit for most institutions. Yet sometimes going to a bowl game can be expensive and it's a net loss financially, depending on where you go and what the travel concerns are and if you can't sell tickets for your own fans. But for your football program, it's almost always a net benefit. Almost always. Yeah. It's a Look, it's we can look at it and kind of laugh at here's celebration of mediocrity. If you go six and six and you get a you get rewarded for going to a bowl game, but it does help a program in its development and a coaching staff to spend more time and uh, have more practices, especially with their younger players. Yeah, so there there is a benefit to it, uh, both inside the program and in recruiting. Like, so I looked up how many it is for Utah State. It's nine times out of the last eleven years. If they go to one this year, it'll be 10 times in the last 12, if I did my counting right. And, you know, it doesn't matter that, you know, let's see, how many of these years? Let's see, one year they uh, were 7-6, and six, they lost, lost a bowl game, went 6-7, and seven, lost a bowl game, went 6-7. and seven. 
lost a bowl game or seven and six. Like four times you were a mediocre team, and heck, each one of those times they lost the bowl game. So, you know, you go to nine, you go to nine bowl games in 11 years, you lost four of them, but you can say, hey, we went. You don't have to include that context when you say we went to nine bowl games in 11 years. Right. It, at least it illustrates that you're you're a good enough program that you're getting those opportunities to go bowling. Yeah, and you're usually not going to be a losing team. Usually. Usually. I mean, two of those, they were six and seven. <laughs> By the <laughs> end, that the was after result. the bowl game. Yeah. So, you know, th- this year, if you say, hey, we went to a bowl game in 2022, we won't have to mention that if this team goes to a bowl game, they're probably going to go six and seven on the year. But uh, it depends on you know which other six and six team they line up against. Yeah, but <laughs> they've not done very well against teams above five hundred this year. Four three five three three nine zero three two one. More of your texts coming in. We'll get to those in just a moment. Just another reminder that emergency crews are on the scene. There's a substantial gas uh, ruptured gas line. At 1400 North, 800 East in Logan, uh, traffic is being diverted in that area. So if you uh, plan to be uh, driving in that area, take a different route. Uh, give yourself more time. Again, 1400 North, 800 East. Crews are on the scenes. Uh, on the scene, well, they're trying to make some repairs. So just be aware of that in your travel on the uh, northeast side of Logan. Uh, more of the uh, our reactions to the weekend, a busy one as well as a discussion about Utah State men's basketball coming up next here on the Full Court Press. It's that first kiss, that moment in time. Over the last few years, we have expanded the store to create one of the largest engagement selections in northern Utah. In addition to our goldsmith, we now have a design team that creates, casts, and brings to life your one-of-a-kind ring right here in our store, all for one common goal, to make it special for you. If you haven't been in yet, come see what makes us so special. It's game time, and you're in the locker room, ready to take the field. But suddenly, you notice a player you don't recognize. He's wearing your team's jersey, and he even knows your name. But you've never seen him before now. Would you trust this stranger with your team's playbook? That's exactly how phishing scams work. And the first quarter of 2022 saw the highest volume of phishing attacks ever recorded. Protect your business with the Les Olson Security Suite from Les Olson IT. Learn more at lesolson.com. You have to see it to believe it. The new Three Peaks Medical Plaza is Cache Valley's newest and most up-to-date medical facility. Cache Valley Ear, Nose, and Throat, the Allergy Clinic, and the Hearing Aid Center are now located in the Three Peaks Medical Plaza in North Logan. The entire staff and Drs. Benyon, Blotter, and Robinette look forward to helping you and your family at this state-of-the-art medical facility. Cache Valley Ear, Nose, and Throat is now located in Providence and Three Peaks Medical Plaza, 2245 North 400 East in North Logan. Go to cachevalleyent.com for details. Most insurance products, including Med are accepted. This is Nate Lamson with Valley Office Systems, your home team when local matters. Valley Office Systems is your local provider for all things office, copiers, printers, furniture, and document management. Proudly serving Cache Valley since 2007. Visit valleyofficesystems.com. It's the Full Court Press with Eric Franson and Jason Walker. Valvoline Instant Oil Change is open seven days a week, 695 North Main in Logan. Quick, clean, easy, how it should be when it comes to getting your oil changed. So stop in today. 
They also have Valvoline Synthetic and Valvoline Max Life Oil. Good for when it's getting cooler weather out there. So Utah State with the uh, still a, a solid victory. A victory is a victory, right? A win is a win. And they did it on the road, which is not easy to do at Hawaii. Um, in an aggressive first half offensively, solid effort defensively. Things started to change in the second half, slowed down offensively, and uh, opened the door for Hawaii in that fourth quarter particularly. They scored 17 points. Utah State only scored seven, but that came on a pick six from Mike Larson, um, who incidentally received the Mountain West Conference Defensive Player of the Year and Freshman of the Year of the Week, excuse me, and Freshman of the Week honors today. Do they have a Freshman of the Year? Uh, they, I think they do. If they do. It should go to Ike Larson. I'll he's see who else is. I mean, there's probably somebody his else. case. Because, yeah, he's won Freshman of the Week twice now. It's true. So, uh I don't know who else to give it to. Uh, I want to get back to um, another part of the question from 6543 uh, that was asked about the uh, uh, dismayed at the number of average to poor teams in this conference this year. Now, looking at the standings, overall standings, just overall win-loss record, I should say, Boise State, Wyoming, and Air Force are all at 7-3 and with two more games to be played. Fresno State, San Diego State uh, are at six and four. San Jose is at six and three. So you already have six teams bowl eligible with one more knocking on the door with Utah State. And there's a chance that you might have a, a nine win team or at least a couple of nine win teams uh, here in the conference. I don't know that I'd say that it's a bad year for the Mountain West. I don't see you don't have a top twenty-five team, which is pretty commonplace. So I will grant that, but I don't know that I'd say it's overall a down year for the Mountain West. It's not a great year, but it's not a totally down year. I think the issue is that for a lot of those teams that are not getting bowl eligible, they're beating up on some of the bad teams in the conferences, and the Mountain West had a bad non-conference year. That's true. That's the issue, is that they look good when you just look at win totals. But really, that's just showing the gap between the top and the bottom of the Mountain West. In general, the Mountain West, you can say they have a bad year because in the only metric we have between conferences, non-conference play, the Mountain West looked bad. Now, could they redeem themselves come bowl season? That's possible. But if it's anything like the non-conference schedule might be a rough bowl year for the Mountain West, even if they get a bunch of, or, you know, they will get a bunch of teams in bowl games, at least that are bowl eligible, but they might lose them all, or most of them. Well, and there's a, uh, you know, I didn't think about the conference championship game, but there's a chance that we could have a 10-win team out of the conference this year. Yeah. The two of the regular season and the, the conference championship game leading into the bowl game, gosh, you could even get to 11. So it's it's possible. So, but that, but the other point is too that these are there's several teams here that are feasting on some bad programs. Yes, Colorado State, New Mexico, Hawaii, Nevada, all of them bad. All of them have only won two games each all year. Now it's commonplace you might have one, maybe two teams that have struggled, but you've got four. That is a little bit uncommon for the Mountain West to have that many teams play so poorly 
to this date in the in the regular season. Yeah, because you look at Boise State. Um, they have one win this season that isn't against somebody in the Mountain West, and it's Tennessee Martin, a non-major school. So they're, the non-Mountain West teams they've played, they have a loss against Oregon State, a win against an FCS team, a loss to UTEP, and a loss to BYU. So, yeah, they go 10 wins. You know, if they win this week, next week, get them to nine, win a bowl game, you know, I guess if I guess include a championship game, if they win the championship game, that's 10 wins, you know, prior to bowl season. Nine of those 10 wins are against the Mountain West. So you're just kind of feasting on a mediocre Mountain West. So that's why I'd still lean towards Mountain West is not good this year. They're going to have some teams with good win totals, but it's very much just, you know, eating eating all the bad teams. Well, I guess that's true. Getting to the six five four three, this made it the number of average to poor teams. So I think you're right. I think that's probably yeah. a fair assessment to say that there are a lot of average teams, and there definitely are, you know, you got some bottom feeders down there, which – not common to have that many teams struggle. Yeah. And what can you do about it? Yeah, I don't, you I don't just, know. You, you just need mean? a new season. Because last year yeah. the Mountain West had a really good year. They were good last year. Yeah. Had a lot of non-conference wins, wins against. Power 5 conferences, bowl wins, whatnot. They had a good year last year. This year, it's just it's just that way. And so you got to move on. Like And last year the Pac-12 had a really bad year. This year they're having a much better year. Yeah, they got Oregon, Utah, USC all in the top twenty-five. At least I think, I don't think USC's dropped out. Yeah, they're still there. Yeah, so they're having a much better year. They're having a rebound. So these things can flip year to year for seemingly no reason. I mean, you could break it down and find every single reason, and we could probably do that for the Mountain West or the Pac-12. But it it just kind of happens. Coaching changes, transfers, surprise teams, things like that. Yeah, Pac-12 has one, two, three, four, five, six in the AP Top 25. Yeah, so they're doing just fine. A year after, the Mountain West was basically a better conference than the Pac-12 last year. Yeah. But now, obviously, not anywhere close. Not, well, and next year will be fine. interesting, too, because it'll be a new scheduling format, uh, no uh, divisions, and so that will be... Kind of interesting to see how it plays out. Uh, if you were to look at, okay, if we didn't have divisions today, who would go to the Mountain West Conference Championship game? Would it be any different than if we did have divisions? Um, and right now, Boise is clearly there. But on the other side, uh, you know, Fresno State would represent the West, but would they be ahead of Wyoming? So that's where I think it would be close because both Fresno and uh, Wyoming are 5-1 and one in conference play. Yeah, well, with the way it's set up, it would depend on your Boise State plays Wyoming. Yet, still, they haven't done that yet. So, say Boise State beats Wyoming, then get rid of divisions, and it's probably still Boise State Fresno State. That's why I never really had too much of a problem with the divisions thing, um, because it had a benefit in scheduling and consistency, and kind of keep those rivalries together. Uh, in some cases. I don't have a problem with divisions going away. I have no attachment to them because there is the positive of saying in the case where the two best teams are in the one division, you don't want to ruin that. Just let them play the championship game. So, you know, <laughs> I'm, I'm not going to, I'm not exactly uh, heated over the uh, 
topic of divisions because they were never a problem and I'm not attached enough to <laughs> to care. Right. I think when we uh, heard the announcement, we went back and tracked it and there maybe be, I think there was two, maybe three instances in the entire history of divisions in the Mountain West that you would have had one of those teams that would have been missed. Yeah. Not playing. So and, it's, so it's, it tried to be played off like, oh, it's commonplace. Like the top two teams aren't always playing. Not actually true. They're usually the best teams are from both divisions. Yeah. And it happens often enough that it's a reason enough to get rid of divisions because with the divisions, there's not enough positive. It's why I'm not attached to it. Like, what positives do divisions really bring? It makes scheduling a little easier. Yeah. But it it doesn't really matter that much. So divisions were convenient. They didn't cause a ton of problems, but you get rid of them. You get rid of the small problem that was present, and then you just kind of deal with the scheduling anyway. Um, all right, a couple more texts coming through. 7854, how bad does that Weber State loss look now? We'll keep USU out of a bowl game. See, I don't know what random criteria they use if, you know, if, you, if a team is bowl eligible and then they – you know, like, if there aren't enough bowl games, like, what hairs are we splitting to keep one team out of a bowl game and what not? And I don't know if, if, like, how good the team is is really, like, the number one factor. Because bowls are there to make money. Yeah, yeah. It, it's about how many will it be interesting on television? Can you sell tickets to the arena where the bowl game is being held? Will you travel well? That's the, those are the most important criteria. Not about who were your losses or victories over. Did you lose to an FCS school? Yeah. It's, will you sell tickets? Will you get eyeballs on this game? Yeah. Now, maybe 7854 is just saying the fact that we didn't win this game. Yeah. If keeps, they'd won, it may, may very well them keep out. them out because of that. Maybe that's where he's, he's going out there. Um but I'm equally frustrated by, yes, that is a really bad loss t- to lose to a lower division team and in the manner in which they lost. But I'm equally frustrated with the UNLV loss because UNLV has not sustained what they started, and so they haven't looked like nearly quite the team like Utah State made them out to be when they were here in Logan. I don't know. There's probably no loss I'll ever be more frustrated by than losing to Weber State. <laughs> Maybe San Jose State in basketball a few years back, but... No, you lose to an FCS team is no excuse. You shouldn't have lost. You overlooked them. True. You played and, down. You and played how stupid. They lost. Yeah, like there was no reason for that. There is no excuse. No injuries. No nothing. No rusty. No oh the scheme didn't work or oh but we were state so good. No, you lost. You shouldn't have lost. Period. End of story. No excuses. Shut up. You should have won that game by twenty five points. It got pushed around the field like you didn't yeah. even belong there. And you lost it by twenty eight. So. And in the end, it may very well be the thing that keeps Utah State out of a bowl game because I'm not confident Utah State wins against San Jose State or Boise State. No, me neither. You, you put a gun to my head, and I say I say Utah State's not going bowling. Like, my prediction at this point is they will end the season 5-7. and seven. They have a chance to go bowling, a decent chance, but I'm not going to predict that. So uh, last week we were looking ahead and using the ESPN matchup predictor. And looking to see what those uh, what percentages they gave the Aggies against Hawaii, San Jose, and Boise, and I believe it was like what sixty seven percent in favor of USU at Hawaii, 
33% against San Jose and like 11% against Boise State. Well, the game this Friday, excuse me, this Saturday has moved up to 39% for USU. And that's probably just because San Jose lost last week and and the yeah. Aggies didn't. The data gets shifted around. One team played a little worse, so they're – I don't know exactly what factors they throw in there, but I imagine the whole season stats get – you know, pumped in there. Yeah, but Utah State and Boise State that dropped. It's down to nine point one. Yeah, and and here's the thing: we're talking about bowls. I was looking. I put this in my Monday cooldown. I actually was looking at as many um, bowl projections as I could find. Last week I found like five or six. I talked about it on the show. Well, this week I got basically ten. Nine different outlets. ESPN had two writers in their article. Each was giving their bowl projections. So comes out to ten. One out of ten bowl projections has Utah State even playing, and it's uh, it was like college football. Um, oh, what was it? Someone obscure. College Football Network. They predict Utah State facing BYU in the Hawaii Bowl. Oh gosh. But yeah, the, all the rest of them just don't think the Utah State's going to play in a bowl game. And I don't know if they're going strictly based off of these teams are bowl eligible, but considering some of these people have probably been doing bowl projections for longer than there have been enough bowl eligible teams, I think it's just they don't believe Utah State will go to a bowl game, and I don't blame them. Right, it's a tough path. It's a really tough path considering the last two games on the schedule. Uh, 2197, kind of on this topic. Uh, Sorry, this team does not deserve a bowl game unless they win the next two. We should beat the... Hosers, San Jose Hosers. Uh, we have their number. Boise, however, will roll up 500 yards rushing against us. San Jose State might roll up 500 yards passing against Utah State. <laughs> San Jose, yeah, you might say we have their number, but they are a difficult opponent. Uh, Coach Anderson just couldn't have enough praise for their defensive front, and that's what makes me really worried about the game Saturday for USU. Yeah, I think Hawaii came into the game against Utah State with, I think, nine sacks in the season is the number I saw. I think I overheard it when they were talking about it on the broadcast. And how many sacks did Hawaii have? Like four or At five? At least four. So they like, have had five. You're like, <laughs> increased by that much? Like, <laughs> nine sacks on the season, and you get four in a game. Like... How do you allow a team that's that inept at pass rushing for an entire season just, you know, paint Cooper Lagaz jersey green? Like, how on earth do you let that happen? Yeah, and Cooper today admitted, you know, some of those were on him. Yeah. And, and it's so, true. I mean, you watch the game and you're like, Cooper, you just got to throw that away. Yeah. That's still part of the offense. But still. It's happening. Whoever's they're letting fa- them through. Yeah. Whoever's fault it is. You let four, a team that had nine sacks on the year get four on you. Whoever's fault it is, it still happened. And you let it happen. A team that bad at pass rushing became elite against you. Uh, eight nine six eight. before we head out to break. Uh, I had a real hard time even trying to hear the end of the game. Just when it uh, counted, the station airing the game switched the feed to the Utah postgame show. Oh, my gosh, that's embarrassing. And the other feed didn't work that well. I missed the end of the game. Very displeased, to say the least. We need to tell the athletic director to put an end to this BS. Also, uh, we have played enough bad teams to be bowl eligible. 
Yeah, we played enough bad teams to be eligible. Unfortunately, didn't beat enough of those teams. Mm, yes. Namely one. That's the caveat. You got to beat them. Can't just play them. You got to beat them. Yeah. All right, more of your texts coming through, more reactions as well. 435-339-0321 here on the Full Court Press. Just another reminder, uh, gas uh, rupture, uh, gas leak at 1400 North, 800 East. Uh, That road area is being shut down. Emergency crews are there redirecting traffic as uh, repair crews are on the scene trying to fix the issue. Uh, We'll update you if we get any more details about that opening up. But plan on it being shut down for a little while. It's 1400 North, 800 East in Logan. Hey, Aggie fans. Looking for the best burger in town? Bring the family to Prodigy Brewing and try out our signature Prodigy Supreme Burger or a wood-fired pizza. Need a smaller plate for the kids? Our kids' menu has you covered. Whether you are out with the family or just want to catch the Aggies game with friends, Prodigy Brewing is the place to be in Cache Valley, located at 25 West Center Street in beautiful downtown Logan. When it comes to home care, it's important to know you have a choice. If you or a loved one is in need of hospice or home health services, remember that Primrose Home Care and Hospice believes in treating the patient, not the problem. We work directly with you and your doctor to create a health plan that's catered to your needs. Our team is devoted to providing options in the freedom and safety of your own home. Visit us at primrosecare.com or call to schedule a free consultation. Primrose Home Care and Hospice, your local hospice and home health provider since 2006. Clean it up and get it out before the snow flies. Don't wait another winter. Let DD Auto and Salvage pay you for that junk vehicle. DD Auto and Salvage makes it so easy and fast to get rid of your junker vehicles by paying you the most money possible. Pickup is available. If you have metal, DD Auto and Salvage and Logan wants to pay you today. Call 787 1204. That's 787 1204 today. See store for details. Alpine Home Medical has been around for over 25 years. Can you believe that? Hi, I'm Jay Broadbent. What keeps us coming to work every day? We're passionate about caring for you. From home and bathroom safety to transportation, mobility, recovery, oxygen, sleep, and more, come into any of our 10 locations today and let us take care of you. Visit us at alpinehomemedical.com. This is Zach with HSA Depot. Christmas is nearly here. Make sure you be merry and bright by using your pre-tax funds on your medical needs. We know your regular holiday budget is disappearing quick. So instead, save money by using your pre-tax income to buy qualifying medical supplies. HSA Depot carries hundreds of unique and dashing eligible products to help you conquer your health care. Come to HSA Depot next to Sally Beauty Supply and see how much you can save this holiday season. HSA Depot, five-star review. The Aggies, Jazz, High Schools, even the Pee Wee's T-Ball team. It's the Full Court Press on Sports Talk Radio, The Fan. Uh, Cash Food Pantry, they could use your help this holiday season, so feel free to stop by, donate food. Uh, you can even donate some of those eggs if you've got a uh, backyard chickens. They've got the facilities to store them properly. But uh, fat, the food pantry can also stretch a dollar a lot more than you or I can. So cash donations also really encouraged. You can do that in person at the food pantry. You can make a donation on their websites. Or you can even use Venmo at cash-pantry 
on Venmo to make a uh, financial donation to the Cash Community Food Pantry. Also, news this week that uh, uh, Angie's Restaurant is going to be stepping up and helping a lot more with their donations to the Cash Community Food Pantry. Really cool story there. Uh, but uh, you can help out, too, and uh, help us, the fan, and all of us here at the Cash Valley Media Group helping the Cash Food Pantry this holiday season. Um, so let's... Um, you know, a couple other things to, to get into here with Utah State football. Again, if you want to weigh in, love to hear your, your thoughts on the game over the weekend, 435-339-0321. And um, <laughs> 5338 texting in. Uh, adios, Hall Jr., we hardly knew ye. Yeah. yeah, that was some news that we were kind of expecting to hear. It was... Uh... It was on my list of questions to ask. Well, Eric, you ended up asking the question because nobody else was. It was kind of weird where I thought it might be one of the first questions asked because it was announced on the broadcast that Gervin Hall had been suspended again. And even after like that Monday press conference preceding the Hawaii game, Anderson talked about how Gervin Hall, you know, he'd handled the suspension like a man. He seemed like he was coming back. He was really All proud that. of how he was handling the suspension. It was glowing praise Yeah, about, even though somebody was suspended, how it's all going. It was like, well, it was kind of news that he was suspended. I don't think a lot of us realized that he was suspended for the New Mexico game. But then he's just, you know, all of this positive talk about Gervin Hall and how he's doing and how he's overcoming and working through the issues. Then he's not there for the game. And we hear on the broadcast he was suspended for a second game. And so then we're like, Oh, what, what's the roster? Somebody's like, oh, he's not on the roster. Yeah, I saw that on Twitter. I double-checked on the roster myself, and Gervin Hall's not on the roster. And so asked her in the press conference, and he uh, basically said that he's, like, I don't know, the way he said it was kind of funny, but basically no longer on the roster or no longer available. Seems like there is a path to him coming back, but I don't think Anderson's expecting that. So, for all intents and purposes, Gervin Hall is just not on the team and probably would not play again this season. Yeah, so it kind of came out of left field. Yeah, just the fact that he was suspended for a game, seemed like he was coming back, whatever, suspended again, off the team, bam. Yeah. And Strange week. The hammer coach talked positive about his player and how he's handling it, and all of a sudden, ah, he's off the team. Yeah. So, I don't know what happened, but uh, certainly if, you know, being suspended or kicked off the team, it's you know, those are not s- small and simple things to, that you do to get that kind of a punishment. Yeah. So going to be either probably just a hopefully it's just a team rules violation because if it's something beyond that, then it probably reaches into the realm of criminality. But but I don't I'm, know. But it's very possible it's, this is just a team rules thing, and that that would be my guess is he just violated team rules and then there was just a rift between him and the coaches after that and it probably but again that's all speculation but what it did do is open up more playing time for ike larson and uh boy what what a blessing in disguise to have that happen i guess you should say a blessing in disguise i mean here's a guy who's progressively been doing more and more for utah state he went from somebody who helped out a little bit on special teams to now he's a star and it happened within a short couple of weeks and he was making plays, and he kind of got hurt, kind of got scaled back a little bit. But as he's been getting healthier and as positions have opened up, he's taking advantage of it. Kudos to him. I mean, that kid's a gamer. 
yeah, this is a kid who's poised to be a really good safety. Um, for well, I was about to say he's going to be a safe, really good safety for three years. But if he's really, really good, he may not stay here for three years. And I don't mean transferring somewhere else. He may end up going to the next level uh, before his time is up. A transfer is technically possible. You always do have to worry about if a player is playing really well. You know, even if he is the local kid, he may want to move on. But Utah State has produced enough defensive backs that Ike Larson may feel very comfortable playing out his time here and then being comfortable that Utah State could put him in the NFL. Yeah. I mean, Utah State does have a history of sending guys to the NFL at that position. Yeah. A number of guys. Yeah. Defensively, Utah State has done very well putting guys in the NFL. So, and him being hometown, I'm more confident that he won't transfer, even as a redshirt freshman. Um, but yeah, he could be an all-Mountain West, multiple-time all-Mountain West, but don't want to get too ahead of ourselves. But that's the potential we're talking about here, the way he's playing so far, how dynamic he is all over the field. Four three five three three nine zero three two one. If you want to weigh in, a couple more texts coming through. Nine three one five. I was so frustrated with the conservative play from the end of the second quarter on. I would much rather we lose the game with us trying to play to win than play to lose. Uh, I think I'd still take the W overall. That's the most important thing. Yeah, you do. But you're always just frustrated when you see a team nearly blow it. Obviously, you're relieved they didn't but it's like why did you let that happen so there's that frustration four five one two uh how do we get aggie games back on 610 or another local station 1280 is always fuzzy if i can get it at all it's a good question hopefully a change in athletic director solves some of that lots of letters to utah state yes and to the president frankly would be great it's a way to go uh, 2197, uh, texting in. How many transfers have now left or been kicked off the team this year? Recruiting failure with his staff. Um, I know Ron... Ron just decided to transfer, and he seems... Tight end. He st- still seems very friendly with the coaching staff. I think he just was expecting more playing time, didn't get it, and felt like he would be better served. Because he was tweeting in support of, of Blake during the, you know, small, I don't know if I want to call it a scandal, but scandal being the operative word from a couple weeks back, Ron tweeted out in defense of Anderson. Yeah, he's and he's retweeted a number of things that are positive and connected to Utah State. Yeah, so I wouldn't consider that a negative transfer. It's just it didn't work out, you move on. A lot of those transfers happen. Makakona, um... Yeah, he just kind of disappeared. I don't know yeah. if that's because Robert Briggs appeared to be a better runner and more consistent, and he just got lost his job to somebody who was more effective. Yeah, seems to be that way. It's just, you know, with the nature of transfers, it's really hard to try and speculate why people are leaving. It's just really hard to do. Uh, more texts coming in. We'll get to those. We do need to take another quick timeout here on the Full Court Press. This is Dustin with Valvoline Instant Oil Change in Logan. Whatever you do, don't forget to change the oil in your car. My team at Valvoline Instant Oil Change will get you in and out quickly. Stay in your car and relax, all while your car is being serviced by trained professionals. Valvoline Instant Oil Change, 695 North Main in Logan, across from Angie's. Valvoline Instant Oil Change. Service you can see. Experts you can trust. 
The Elements Restaurant is serving a plated Thanksgiving dinner this year with all the holiday classics. Herb roasted turkey with a sage turkey gravy, garlic whipped potatoes and whipped sweet potatoes, traditional cornbread stuffing and delicious warm rolls. And for dessert, choose between pumpkin pie, pecan pie or apple galette. Let the Elements serve your family a delicious Thanksgiving feast while you spend the day enjoying family and friends. Prime times fill up quickly. Reserve online today at theelementsrestaurant.com or call 750 it's engagement season. Time to find the perfect ring. S.E. Needham Jewelers is known for beautifully cut diamonds at excellent prices. Guys, the sparkle is what matters most in the diamond you give your sweetheart. Our diamonds stand apart from those of other stores. Come view our diamonds under magnification. Select a diamond that fits your budget and then have it mounted in a ring that she'll love. Remember, you get S.E. Needham quality at internet pricing. Open Monday through Saturday, 10 to 7, where Utah gets engaged. S.E. Needham Jewelers, middle of the block, at the sign of the clock. Hi, this is James with White Pine Funerals. We're excited to host our annual holiday concert featuring a choir and musical ensemble by Jay Richards. All are welcome to attend free of charge. We extend a special invitation to anyone who is missing a loved one this holiday season. Food donations are encouraged at the door for the cash food pantry. Back-to-back performances will take place at White Pine on Thursday, December 1st at 7 p.m. and 8.30 p.m. That's Thursday, December 1st at 7 p.m. or 8.30 p.m. They never could play it, but they sure can talk about it. Eric Franson and Jason Walker on the Full Court Press. Hey, save up to $16 on a pair of Rain-X silicone wiper blades or take the $10 instant rebate on a set of Napa Exact Fit wiper blades at Napa Auto Parts and a lot of other things you can get there in store to get you ready for winter and colder weather. Five locations between Preston and Providence. That's Napa Auto Parts, and they sponsor the Dan Patrick Above the Noise segment coming up here in uh, about a minute and a half here on the Full Court Press. A couple more texts uh, we wanted to get to before the top of the hour. Uh, 9315 adding, I hope Ike Larson has a starting role from here on as he was, uh, as he is one of USU's best players on defense that we've had for a long time. Yeah, it really seems to remind a little bit of Shaq Bond. I think about it, not just, you know, Ike Larson obviously have four interceptions, but he's also active in the backfield, and Shaq Bond did that at times, where he's getting in there making sacks or tackles for loss, just big plays all around the field, which you don't always get from safeties, partly because, you know, sometimes they're playing in coverage, but if they're playing in an aggressive system or if they're versatile enough, defensive coordinators will feel free to use them in different ways, which is where they can then be making a lot of these big plays. Right, because that pressure comes from unexpected places. Uh, five three three eight. Can the fourth quarter offense be labeled a prevent offense? <laughs> Sometimes it's supposed to be a prevent offense. Like you said, that last drive, the four minute drill, is a prevent offense. But you're not supposed to run it for the entire fourth quarter. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we got more to get to about uh, recapping the weekend that was. Uh, we've got uh, updated Mountain West standings. Uh, Utah State men's basketball with a big showdown tonight with Santa Clara coming into town. Uh, so we'll preview what we know about them. Uh, Mountain West basketball standings. Uh, new poll is out. San Diego State has gone up. Wyoming is not getting any votes anymore. We'll tell you why. And uh, also update you on what's going on with the women's basketball and their games as well. So that's all coming up here on the Full Court Press. Love to hear from you. 435-339-0321 to chime in on our Full Court Press text line. And don't forget, stay away from 1400 North, 800 East for a little while. 
I'm Dan Patrick, and this is Above the Noise. When you have a team competing for a Super Bowl, having an elite quarterback is one of the bigger advantages an NFL team could get. That's what makes teams like Kansas City and Buffalo so difficult to beat. Because no matter how many mistakes a team can make, you're never out of it with a quarterback who can make a difference. But elite quarterbacks aren't always available, and that forces other competing teams to get creative. The Minnesota Vikings have done that. The Vikes are now 8-1 after the big win in Buffalo Sunday. The team has elite weapons in Justin Jefferson and Dalvin Cook, and a defense that features Eddie Kendrick, Sidarius Smith, and Harrison Smith. Although Kirk Cousins has impressed this season, he's not going to go punch for punch with other elite quarterbacks. But with a roster filled with difference makers at impactful positions, Minnesota is proof. Having an elite quarterback isn't always a necessity to compete. Just ask the Buffalo Bills. I'm Dan Patrick, and this is Above the Noise.